a serious podcast. We watched a really good film. No got on me. What? Just got you want to be clear of all the um, facts. Um, well, mostly I want to because I feel like going to talk about the director's name a lot, and I want to make sure I get it right. Obayashi, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> you're recording. You're doing. Your I'm, I'm going to say up front. I'm going to say up front that this this isn't going to be the same wild fucking ride that Hausu was as a podcast. Oh no. No, this is no, gonna no, be no. a very this is gonna be a very different one. It's probably gonna be a bit shorter, I think. Um Yeah. Because one of the things that we're not going to try and do is recount the entire plot. Because yeah. honestly, I don't think I could. It and also Housey was like one hour fifty, this was two hour fifty. <laughs> and it would take a much longer <laughs> to try and recount each individual shot and transition like we did with Housey. Oh Housie. my god. So welcome back to Heard You Saw. Um, I'm joined tonight by Shay. Hello there. And for once, we're recording in my room. I don't think I've recorded a podcast in here since yeah, the on, sick cast. On your own turf. Which was, yeah, was from this very bed of me yeah. going, Ah, gods of Egypt, it's okay. You have all, all you was, this is, I've joined your sickness. I'm going to bite your finger. <laughs> <laughs> so we just watched, um, Hanagatami. Um... Yeah. Which, if you've got three hours to kill and you want to experience things that are quite emotionally powerful but also really confusing, in a lot of ways, we can highly recommend this film. Um, we begin, as ever, with a round of one-line hot takes. I've been dreading this because <laughs> um, I'm not sure I necessarily have a one-line hot take per se. Um, I've got, I think I've got one. I, I'm going to go with, so, turns out, it wasn't vampires. <laughs> the, the real blood-sucking monster was war. Yes. Um, and I will say, of what I said to you during the film. Yeah. If, if Haosu is all horror on the surface and the subtext of the war. Yes. Um, this film is all the war with the subtext of horror being yep. always the, there. There's something uncomfortable. Oh, my mum just sent me a text. Um, she doesn't know where you just went. <laughs> she does not know. Um, right, we've got to try... We've got to try and... Um, we've got to try and at least explain the premise of this film and try and give some thoughts on it, Shay. Yes, I. we can try and do that. I just want to... Okay, I just... I don't know if... Yeah, I'll, I'll find out. So, yeah. let's try and sum up the premise. Yeah. So, um, the, this film primarily focuses on uh, Toshihiko Sekibayashi, who is a 16-ish year old, or maybe a little older, um, Japanese guy um, in the town of Kamatsu, where he's gone back to go to college, and he meets two dudes, one called Ukai and one called Kira, Ukai is like a cool, soldier-esque looking, vital young man, um, who do things. That, I, I put, I put yeah, yeah, put, 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 put yeah, my boy Nobuhiku. And um, Kira is an old monk man, um, and they go to school together, and he's instantly sort of taken with them, and decides that they are friends, 
his um cousin, right? His wait, because it's his no, his second cousin must be because wait, so Mina, you're talking about Mina? Yeah, Mina is his second cousin, right? Because it's his his mum's sister's it's his, sister-in-law. And yeah, his aunt's um sister-in-law. Yeah, which is, is his relation to Mina. Yeah. And Mina and his aunt stay in, uh, to, what, what's his name? I'm going to get all the names wrong. Uh, uh, Toshihiko? Toshihiko's house. Yes. Um, and Toshihiko is from Amsterdam. Yes. So has come back to study. Study in Japan. And Mina, Minako, his, um, the sister-in-law has TB. And, um, d- how do you begin to explain the plot of this? Because it's basically like, ostensibly, it's about. Okay, okay. As I said while we were watching the film, Lindsay Ellis has a description for the movie Mother, which I've not seen, but I feel is apt in this case, which is oops, all allegory. You say that, but I don't think this is oops, all allegory. What do you think this is? Because. Well, one, Mother, you watch and you get, oops, all allegory, and you get it all, every single interpretation within the first, like, ten minutes, and then you just have to be subjected to 90 minutes of misogyny, and you go, what's the point? I got, I got what this <laughs> film is. Now, now you're going on much longer. I've already got it. You haven't, you're not saying anything else now. So, I don't like Mother for that reason. Right. Um, but, this film is... It has, it's surreal and experimental and has images and motifs that run throughout, but it's yes. not allegorious because it, because it is very much set during, at the war. Yeah. Like. The literal things are literally happening. Yes. But equally I feel that. Well, these... TB is kind of an allegory, at the, but also it is a real disease at that time. Well, yeah, but I would also argue that I feel like the characters are being used as like microcosm simulacra for like, Japanese youth of the time? Yes. As it were, like, they're, they're sort of representative of, like, the, the the disaffection, but also, like, the different... Like, I feel like you look at Kira, Ukai, and Toshi and Toshihiko, the three main male protagonists. You know, Toshihiko's ostensibly the main character, but he has much less narrative agency than either Ukai or Kira, who are both people that make things happen. There's a... <laughs> oh, they, they make They make some happen. stuff happen. And there's, I think there's, their relationship to Toshihiko is very, very different, but also there's a lot of thematic mirroring going on. Mm. Like, Ukai is described as being, like, a being of life. He is vital, he is full of vitality, he's, like, you know, he has the trappings of a soldier, but he's also, like, in tune with nature and is musical and is sexual. Um, whereas Kira is seen as all intelligence, all hard, cold, you know, like, or not, not not logic, but, like, sort of the the more sort of venal uh, aspects of, like, wanting to indulge your own rampant desires, but crippled with this body that doesn't do what he wants it to do. So he's, like, this more sort of poisonous, pernicious aspect, which nonetheless has knowledge and gifts and things that draw Toshihiko into his web. So I feel like it's, like, Toshihiko is essentially faced with these two aspects of masculinity which are both being pulled in different directions by the war which both ultimately end in self-destruction because you need to have balance between these two virtues in order to be able to maintain a healthy self-image and life there's some oedipal shit in there as well i think as well Uh, yeah with ukai and the aunt yeah 
Um, yeah, so the premise is that, like, there's a bunch of youth, young people yeah. who are all Toshihiko's come back to study um, from Amsterdam, and he meets all these people, including... And they all become friends somehow. We're, we're, we're discuss some <laughs> uh, scenes of how they become friends. Soon. It's a whole thing. <laughs> it's a whole thing. Um, that could be our review of the movie. It's a whole thing. They are kind of all waiting as kids to kind of... Um, for Mina to kind of die from TV, but also themselves. Or yeah. themselves to... Go off to war. Eventually go off to war and die. Or as the metaphor of the film is, like, will Toshihiko jump? Will yeah. he ever jump? Um, go on, jump, you coward! Yeah, which... Says his mum. <laughs> says his mum in a flashback. So that, that's the premise of the film. And also, everyone wants to have sex with each other. It's very teenage, like, hormonal, sexual awakening on all fronts. On all fronts. Um, and also, I'm not sure if you brought up the characters of Akin. Yeah, Ak- and Akine and um, Chitose, yeah. um, who are ostensibly Mina's friends, but Chitose is Kira's cousin. Yeah. Who, that whole thing's... They, they grew up together on an island. He lived at the top of a mountain with the Christians. She lived at the bottom of the mountain with the Buddhists. And yet, even though he was a weak, crippled boy, she'd come and see him and play under his bedclothes. Um, she's also a photographer. There's a lot. There's a lot of stuff about like the importance of image and how things are seen and captured and remembered, much like how to. Yeah, it's got it's got motif stuff. Continue from houses. Obayashi clearly has a well. He has a a, a a a cinematic style like which this was, you know. It's it's hard to think of a movie that is more experimental than Houseu in some ways. Yeah. I feel like this pushed a lot of envelopes in a lot of different ways. Like I think he was trying to really test himself. Like the, the first fifteen minutes, which we have watched twice, um, <laughs> which you'll recall if 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 this goes out. After the the Journey to the West episode, this was the movie we were planning to watch originally. And the first 15 minutes is, is like, cut like an action movie. Regardless of what is happening on screen. Yeah, a lot of the time, the pacing is, like, like Michael Bay kind of pace. Yeah. Like, boom, quick, quick, cut, 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 cut. This 80-year-old director is like, go, go. Yeah. Uh, if, if it's not cutting, then it's... Changing the angle completely, yeah. 90 the degrees line. of... Fuck the line. Yeah, or, or of the shot itself, so things are upside down, and you're like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, great. Um, <laughs> it's very engaging, and it is quite beautiful in a lot of places. There's a lot of really lovely bits of camera work in here, um, and some really astonishingly constructed shots. Nothing is real, which I feel is very deliberate, that none of it really feels real because so much of it is green screen. Yeah, pretty much the entire movie has got a green screen background in it. Yeah, and is and it's deliberately done in such a way to draw attention to the artificial nature of it. Like you have people where the lighting is specific, and the thing is, it it's not like you know it's not like oh he's the technically unproficient filmmaker because we know he's a, actually a very you know savvy and good filmmaker, and if he wanted to, you know he could have just gone to locations. Like, there's not much he does with the green screen that he couldn't have just done by going to an island. You know, it was a deliberate choice. I think I think it's also a deliberate choice of that. Uh, I think he's very particular as a director, and he wants total control. He does. So I think he wants to make sure 
everything. Because in Halcyon, there's no, like, there's hardly any location in it. It's all, like, a very elaborate sets. And I think yeah. he just wants to have total control of an area and of lighting and how people look and how, how their perspective is in the shot and how... Yep. He is very specifically trying to say things. Yes. Um... Whether we got all of them, yeah, I, I doubt it. Weird to white people in um, 2019. Yeah. <laughs> British. I don't think we got everything that Bobby <laughs> was trying to say about the the war. Yes. Um, in, back in 1937. Yeah, or the plight of uh, Japanese young people Japanese at that time. And, but also, I think his point is that a lot of 2019 Japanese people don't understand the mm. plight. I think that's why he made the movie, as he clearly, <laughs> explicitly says at the end. Yeah, he's like, what have they got to jump for? But, yeah. Or what does it, no, he, rather he says, what does it mean for them to jump? What, what does it mean for any of us to jump? It's really interesting, I think, that he actually ended on such a, it ends on an unfinished sentence as well. So, Which yeah. is super interesting. At, at the end, um... And just to say, I'm not sounding the spoiler klaxon, because... As, I, as you may have got from our description of this, it's really hard for us to spoil anything because so much happens, but also so little happens. Yeah, I, I, And it's not really about the events that happen that make the narrative give its weight or its, its ability to affect you. It's about the experience of sort of going through it. I, I do think that if, if you do want to watch the movie... It, it, I don't know, it'd be hard to find it, but... Yeah. If you do want to watch the movie, I would say this thing is a spot of what we're about to discuss. Just because when I just watched it, I was, like, about to cry, and, like, this is mm. pretty um, intense thing, and it's essentially... Essentially, the, the director's going, this is what the movie is, by the way. Yeah, it, it um, directly and emphatically lays out, here's what I've just spent the last best, better part yeah, of three this hours. Is, this is what you've invested in, and... Do you, yeah. Do you want to take on his message? Uh, so, so, so I'll say what the beginning is because the beginning uh, ends begins with a frame device of someone re reading the play Hannah Gather Me, yeah. right? Um, and talking about what happened in 1937 and the different artists that died. Yeah. In 1937, and it's it's young uh, Toshihika. Yep. Um, reading it, and then it cuts to him on a cliff, within the back the wrong looking through the wrong side of the telescope him and like the past is ancient it's not nostalgia it's all it's all there and so that's the kind of idea will Toshihiko jump he's constantly thinking the ending of the film is I believe it's Obayashi playing the older it could be but I'm not too sure it, it, an old person, an old, an old Toshihiko. Guy. It's definitely implied that the director, that the director is Toshihiko. Yes. And, but whether Obayashi is actually playing himself, I don't. We know. can't necessarily speculate as to how autobiographical this film is, but, necessarily. Um, yeah. The old Toshihiko, which is the first time you ever see him, is like right in the last ten minutes of the film. Yeah. After a nightmarish scene of. Pretty much everyone dying. Yeah. Um, in different ways. Or marching off to the war in the ghost parade yeah. of scarecrow men. He kind of um, the director visits all the different locations and cries over. Says 
what all the different people represent and are, like you just said, all yeah. the different youth that they're supposed to symbolise and um and then goes to Mina's grave and kind of cries over her and what As the grave bleeds. As the grave bleeds. Um Yeah, and the, uh, the director's just and then it cuts back to the beginning of the film where young Young Well what's important to note about young uh uh Hiko in this in the sequence is that it's it's really a testament to the actor actually because just by the way that he speaks and carries himself, he's an entirely different character to Toshihiko for the vast majority of the film. Mm. Like, it's a mature, sort of, adult version, even though he's the same age. He's not playing a child or a teenager, he's playing a man. A, yeah. You know, an adult, rather. Yeah. Um, and it's him talking about the themes of the film. Yeah, and it's how everyone has forgotten what living in wartime Japan was. Yeah. And and what does it even mean now for the youth of today and for the Japanese people to jump or anyone to jump? Yeah. Which is kind of the metaphor of like, will you jump into the war? Will you jump? And and at that point, the green screen background is of Obayashi's director's chair. Yeah, with his name on it. With his name in English, it. so we know. Um, And that's, and that's the ending of the film. Well, and it, it ends on him saying, as for me, cut. Yeah. And he I, goes to say what it means, and then he doesn't tell us. I feel like this is Obiyashi's last film. Yeah. He, he also talks about someone else's swan song. <coughs> yes. Someone else's director of swan song who died in the war. You know, you know what this reminded me of? Which mm. is another film that we've watched together. Mm. This reminds me a lot of The Wind Rises. Yes, yes, it does. Not just because of themes of TB and wartime Japan, but also it's... This feels, again, in the same way that when I when I first watched Wind Rises, is that you watch this and you feel like, this is something really, really personal. Mm. Like, you're putting, you know, you're putting something that you've clearly been preoccupied about for decades yeah. on screen. This is something that means a huge amount to you, and you're presenting it in a way that really, in a sense, does not do give many concessions to the audience. Even though, like we've just said, that the film kind of directly and emphatically states its message, that's not until quite late on, and you know, that's near the end of the film when you've already gone through the vast majority of. It's like the movie happens, and then the last like twenty minutes is just, and now I'm going to contextualize everything that you've just witnessed. Yeah, almost kind of in a plea of like, I want you to understand. Like, yeah. I don't. I'm aware that what I just did may seem confusing or difficult or challenging or whatever, but don't get it twisted. Yeah. This is what I mean. Yeah. He's not saying, oh, these individual images mean this, this specific thing, this specific thing. He's just saying, this is the message of the film, and I need you to understand that. Mm. And I, and you and watch the film through this that lens of like, what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. And maybe you'll pick up on things. But... Yeah. And it's an important question, I think. Like, the concept of jumping in the, in the text of the film is taking that important step to push yourself and jump into something that is dangerous but you believe in, to pursue the things that you want. Um, like, Ukai jumps to get the, uh, get the aunt character, and effectively. Mina, and, and Mina. And Mina. And, and, and kind of gets mixed within 
the whole TB thing, but also as a young soldier. It's very confusing about what his fate is. Exactly. But he jumps into his desires. Yeah. Kira jumps because he achieved all of his desires. He kind of, in a weird way, because he... He, he has no I think well with Kira what it was is like they say Kira is the soldier who went AWOL yeah so Kira is Kira states in an earlier scene which we would definitely talk about this scene <laughs> but Kira states at the end like you don't want to be eaten you don't want to be killed no. and eaten you no. just you you should die you should that's the choice is go and get killed and be eaten or choose your own death almost yeah, die on your own terms. So I think I think Kira's almost the soldier of like dying, or or the person dying on their own terms rather than yeah letting the world kill them. So in jumping is effectively standing up for your belief. Yeah. He believes he should be allowed to die on his own terms. Ukai believes he should have whatever that thing is meant to rep. Excuse me, meant to represent with the aunt and with Mina, and the yeah. swimming and the body suits and all that. Um, because Ukai is also, w- won't go to the war because he's left handed and doesn't want to die. Yeah, well he can't. He can't, yeah. He feels, it's, 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 it's interesting for his character because he, he seems to feel some aspects of shame. Like he, um, he dresses in his brother's, um, his brother who did go to the war, he dresses in his brother's military gear and assumes the position in the weird dance tableau where everyone's relationships really start interconnecting and people have all the pointed conversations, he assumes the position of the um, deceased uncle character, Mina's brother, who also had TB, but went to war anyway and died in Manchuria with his cello because he believed he, for lack of a better term, I presume, jumped because he believed in what he was doing. (sighs) Yeah, so it's quite an intense... Um, yes. And it has a lot to say, and I think it's an important film. And don't be put off by the three-hour runtime because it doesn't. It's it's nippy. It's, it's definitely an entertaining watch, like yeah, entertaining in big quotes of bit, but it's engaging. It, and it's definitely in the same way that House Who's not really like anything you've seen before. This is even it's not that much like House Who, to be honest. No, yeah, it's not really like like House Who. yeah. While he has the same. Cinema, you know the cinematic style of it. It's it leans much harder into its very specific choices and motifs. Yeah. Like there's so much like musical motifs and visual motifs and stuff that keeps coming back. Like there's this stuff with the records, the um the the cello music, etc. Yeah. Um the fucking ocean, you know the ocean as a symbol of so many things. The mother island. I I would say like how to. House Who has motifs and everything that runs through and has a very strong theme and is definitely about the the destruction of the bomb. Yeah. Um, but it's also a film made for young people. And it's yeah. Very, it's very much a capitalist film. Like, we're making this film for young people. You're hired to engage young people. Yeah. It's so, interesting, but... Sorry, just, uh, just sorry to um, interrupt you, but there's, it's an interesting parallel to look at the characters in House Who... Mm. And look at the characters in Hanagatami. Because in Haosu, you know, they are literally one-note characters almost by design. Mm. Like, they have literally their name is, you know, fantasy is always daydreaming, prof knows stuff, Mac is a fatty, she loves food. 
Kung Fu. Kung Fu does Kung Fu. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas in this, the characters are much... They're, they're both more real, but also in some ways less real. In some ways. Like, Kira feels to me the most like, sort of, I am a symbolic character. You know, because his... The, the way that he acts, and the way he is, and the way he's so radically different to almost everybody else in the setting, even someone from ostensibly the same culture as him, like Ch- Chitose, mm. is, it's really alien and kind of weird within the setting. So it's, I, I feel like these characters are much more complex. They're, they're very much avatars for something, but... It's like you say. It was made. House was made for young people. Yeah, House was young, made for young people, and this, like, to engage them and have a message underneath. Plus, yeah. this film is, I feel like, like I said, I think it's Obiyoshi being like, it's almost kind of biographical. Maybe hmm. not like directly, but like this. This is the say, spirit of this his story. This is what living in this was like. So House is very much about you've all, you you are all disconnected from this. From this experience as young people, whilst Hanagatomi is very much this is what the experience was, and I want you to know what it is. Yeah. Um, In the same way, again with Wind Rises, while it's not a biographical story of Hayao Miyazaki as a person, the story of Jiro's development of the Zero Fighter is a direct parallel to how Miyazaki feels about his own art, and like his sort of like. This is what it's like in the creative struggle and coming out of wartime Japan and having this colour the way that you think about things and your prioritisation of, like, yourself and your wants and your needs versus the important work that you believe in. But even then, that work might not mean anything. Yeah. Which is the big question in that film. Whereas this, again, yeah, it's trying to capture the sense of just impending doom. Fucking doom. And I th- I feel like Yoshi uh, um, Toshi uh, Toshihiko sorry I was called Toshinori it's a different character um, Toshihiko's character is childlike and relentlessly upbeat mm. and seldom experiences fear or sadness and does not understand a lot of social cues. Um, just repeats things he sees. Like... Yeah, t- no sense of decorum or anything, which is quite odd for a Japanese character, because there's a lot of sense of like but propriety. He, in but that. I guess that he's also an outsider. Is yeah, he is he, from Amsterdam. He's from Amsterdam, and although, and he's just come back. He is he is Japanese in that his parents are Japanese, but I, I guess he was raised in Amsterdam. Yeah, and therefore, is kind of an outsider to. Doesn't even the know what tofu way. is probably. Doesn't even know what tofu is or <laughs> or soy milk. Yeah, it's, it's quite a movie. It's quite a movie. Um, should we just go through a couple of favorite scenes? Some key scenes. Some key scenes. <laughs> like, not key scenes in terms of um, the the what we're talking about in in terms of the thematic. This is just stuff well, that we like. Just stuff we're like, oh, what the hell? Yeah. Let's talk about it. All right. Do you, do you, have you got one in mind you want to leap off with first? Well, should or? we talk about the one that, right at the beginning, and we've been uh, alluding around it, is the, the dog scene. Yes. So, um, Ukai comes to school one day with a small dog. It's a very cute dog. It's such a cute dog. And a lot of people spend a lot of time during the day having a nice time with the dog. And um, he's playing on the beach, playing the flute to the dog. And they come back in, and he's like, hey... And Asso, the kind of clown of the... Feeds the dog squid. Yep. 
And then he's like, hey, Asso, I need to go and shower or something. Uh, look after my dog. And Asso's like, oh, yeah, cool. And um, Toshihiko's like, I'll also look after your dog. And then Kira comes over, dressed in his monk outfit with a walking stick, and says, hey, can I see that dog real quick? And they're like, oh, sure. And as we were watching, <laughs> sure. I, w- I was like, is he gonna... Is, yeah, is a, he... a fire is set up. Asso's like setting up a fire. So Nick Nick's like, is he gonna throw the dog into the fire? I was like, no, they're not gonna throw a dog into the fire. <laughs> and audience, they did not throw a you dog into the fire. They didn't. It's... What did they do, Nick? Uh, Kira, what did Kira do? Kira, what I will say, again, I want to just actually, I, this, is, this relates to a thing I said in the Haosu podcast. Is that I think Obayashi, as a filmmaker, has a real sense of what to show and what not to show. Mm. Like, it was really interesting that there was no actual, like, direct nudity in yes. the film. Everyone was wearing, if they had any, like, all the women were wearing uh, flesh suits. Mm. So there were no nipples. There was nothing yeah. improper. Um, you know, it was very cleverly cut around any genitals and stuff like that. Equally, in the movie, it is very strongly implied... But not shown. So Akira takes the dog. Yep, and then throttles it with its own leash. Which you don't see, and then... Hangs it from the ceiling. (laughs) And 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 there's a sort of like, what the... (laughs) What the fuck, Kira? Uke comes back and goes, what? You killed my dog. And Asa is like, it wasn't me. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't me. He goes like... Uh, well, we I couldn't, couldn't stop, stop him. him. Although I think in, people could have. I think it's more that they were just like, "Is he?" Is they were he, just oh. shocked. Yeah, because like no one expects someone to just throttle a puppy um, in front of them. And Ukai just kind of walks out of the room. He punches upset. Kira. Does he punch Kira? Yeah, he punches oh, Kira okay, the first yeah. time, um, and then leaves. And Kira just explains that, um, yeah, it, that thing I was talking about earlier about being killed, don't want to be eaten. The yeah. dog ate the squid. We eat the dog. Yeah. We don't actually eat the dog. Yeah. Um, you see a shadow of the dog hanging, and then you see Tokushika, uh, Toshihika take the corpse and bury it by uh, Uke's, <laughs> Uke's uh, tree that he likes to hang out. Yeah. His, his sexy posing tree. Um, <laughs> there's a bit where Kira sticks his hand in some boiling water, <laughs> just for no real good reason. To show that he's... As good as Ukai, even though Ukai does it to try and show up Aso because he's jealous of Aso because he's. I, I think it's just a kind has of mind, asthma? mind over body thing, but yeah, it's... yeah, Ukai <laughs> puts a coin in boiling water to sh- because he's jealous of Aso for having having asthma. Asthma. That is the reason that is stated in the movie. Um, because we don't I guess know why. Ukai but... is pretty perfect in everywhere, apart from the fact that he's left-handed. So I guess he feels like he should be. Worse, he shouldn't be so great. He's full of life. He's full of life. <laughs> um, just very vigorous. And Ass says, "I'll get the coin and like touch the water a little bit and goes, ow, that's hot because it's on it's boiling water." Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> Kira comes in and goes, "Can I ever try and ever?" And goes, "Yeah." I just want to say it. that the classroom is like being like going, "Yeah,", yeah, yeah. it's like it's fucking like, get that like, shit no, out of hot water. Don't do that, Kira. Don't pick up that coin. That's a bad idea. So he takes off his watch. Takes off his watch, gives it to Toshihiko, and puts his hand into the water with no real reaction. Gets out of the coin, burns himself, starts smoking a cigarette. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and you see his like horrible hand for all the like his burn ridden hand because yeah, 
mind over body and he takes orders just from his own thoughts. He yeah, he's like, I, he's like, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe in Buddha or Jesus. I, I do what my mind tells me to do. And if my mind tells me to do something, I have to do it. Yes. Which makes him fucking terrifying in any scene. There were, there's a bit where they go for a, a, a picnic by a cliff and I'm like, oh God, Kira's going to push someone off a cliff. <laughs> like, I always feel like I don't know what he's going to do. He doesn't. Yeah, um, fortunately. But also, <laughs> yeah. But also everyone wants to fuck everyone. Yes, yeah, so everyone wants to fuck everyone. Uh, Toshihiko is weirdly following everyone yeah. and sees uh, Ukai smoke and sees <laughs> Kira smoke. So he starts smoking himself. And both <laughs> later on. I'm like, smoking! <laughs> I love Kira's, Kira's response, is my favorite. It's like, huh. So yeah. Toshihiko goes, oh, yeah, do you want a cigarette, Kira? And Kira goes, goes ah, smoking, I quit. Oh, why did you quit, Kira? Because it accomplishes nothing and leaves you empty. And you're like, oh. And then later, Toshihiko offers a cigarette to Ukai, and Ukai's like, oh, that one time you saw me smoke? That was my only time I did that. That's... And I thought it was dumb. <laughs> only idiot smoke. And the weird part of the film is that we were just calling... We were bad-mouthing Toshihiko throughout the entire film. Like His fucking cause... sister-in-law has TB. Yeah, he, he does not, like... He, he does not follow social cues. And no. is a trash person. And jokingly, because he was drinking soy, we were calling him a soy boy. <laughs> even, even though, like, we don't... Subscribe to such. I've been listening things. to a lot of the um, leftist anime podcast Balling Out Super, which is mm. great. Um, and i got to say, Toshihiko, he's a lot like Goku in Dragon Ball Super, where it's like, annoying, relentlessly upbeat, doesn't follow social cues, just, ah, I want to slap you and just tell you, like, behave yourself, young man! Yeah. So we were laughing, and then right at the end it's revealed, hey, no, this guy is the one person who survives that war out of this lot, and it's super super sad and it ruins and like, him oh yeah god and i guess it does take away like i said he he becomes an adult in that yeah he becomes yeah prologue the, scene like the prologue prologue toshihiko is like a different fucking person different, completely different person yeah it's like um, he's he, he's an outsider from amsterdam who comes to japan and sees the absolute horror of living in wartime japan yes and it um, changes him and makes him and sees the bomb and yeah sees, and sees everything so can we talk about the? I know there's the scene that you want to talk about, like a whole thing. Yeah, is is that what you want to talk about right now? The clippity cloppities. Oh, I want to talk about the clippity cloppities so bad. So yeah, as stated <laughs> before, everyone is wanting to fuck each other. Yes, hard, a lot, so hard. Like you don't know who is wanting to fuck who, uh, <laughs> and. They could form a fucking super dynamic polycule if they really put their yes, minds to it. Yes, at one point, um, Nick goes, is this a sex Is this a love triangle? Is this a love triangle? And then five minutes later goes, oh, it's a love rhombus! <laughs> <laughs> it kept just devolving, because it's like, it's like, oh, uh, you know, Toshihiko kind of likes Mina, but she's got TB, so that can't happen. Oh, Mina's instantly in love with Ukai, but Chitose is jealous of... But also likes Kira for his intelligence. And yeah. And wants to have him to see her nude and... Yeah, like... and then, then Chitose's like, oh, I'm jealous that she likes... That Mina likes Ukai because I kind of like Mina. But also, I'm Kira's cousin, but also I used to play under the sheets when he was a young sick boy and now we have a weird sexual tension between us and Akine's just like, I just want to fuck anybody. Yeah. And like, I, literally anyone. I think Shitozi's thing is that she is very much like, 
kind of she's definitely a lesbian. Yeah. Wants and she does give with she gives the kiss of Kine. Yeah. Towards the end, which I great. cheered. We cheered because we were egging on like, yes, come on, some do it, you sex. cowards. <laughs> Um, yeah, um, but yeah, so there's everyone but, wants to uh, fuck everyone. Kira, Kira and Doshiko watch Ukai swim naked one night. Yes, and through a Ki- telescope. Through a telescope, and Kira goes, he does that every night. <laughs> At this time. At this Just time. Just so And I watch. And I also gave night. you a watch, which allows you to keep track of the time. Um, Game face. <laughs> Doshiko, oh, names. Toshihiko. Toshihiko um, and Ukai go out drinking. And then they steal a soldier's horse. They do. Oh, um, that soldier. Like that's, that's a whole side character. Well, let's character. not get into that. But anyway, yeah, they steal a horse. Yeah, the soldier commits harakiri with a gun. There. Anyway, doesn't matter. <laughs> let, let, I'm gonna. He talk also about... sits completely motionless about... in the background yeah. in a bar, occasionally drinking, and they go to sleep. They go. That wasn't enough. And he's like, I guess I'll sit here and yeah. drink more. I don't want to talk about the sad soldier. I want to talk about the fun horse scene. Fun horse scene. So they steal this soldier's horse, and we're both like. Then still the horse, dudes. Anyway, they get to the the beach where Ukai, the sexy tree. Ukai s- swims naked every night. And you do at one point see Ukai c- come out of the water all naked. Yeah. And his gentleness is that he <laughs> expertly hidden behind a tree branch. Yes. And then he puts on only a hat as he drives himself. <laughs> and it's like, holy shit, Ukai. What's the bit when he's, si- he's like sitting on the tree branches like this big fucking... I'm just like, okay, well, I mean, that's... That's subtle. There's constant um, allusions to Ukai's dick because Ukai's powerful. dick is everywhere. <laughs> um, constantly referred to as his snapper sometimes. Oh, so Ukai's snapper! <laughs> um, he drags it around. Because Ukai drags around a flow every year. Of and... a red snapper, but his red snapper. Oh, uh, anyway, so <laughs> Ukai and Toshihiko um, steal a horse and they go to the beach. Yes. And... Uh, Ukai goes, the horse is naked. We should be naked too. And Joshua who just goes along with anything his friends does, like, cool. is like, yes, cool. And these two get naked, and they both ride bareback together on together, the horse, very close to each other, clinging on as the horse and ride on the horse as it goes up and down, like yeah, they trot along with them. Like essentially hugging each other. A lot of hot bods. So they're bareback. It's Twice very over. much bareback, barebacking. <laughs> they you don't actually see them kiss, even though they get very close to many times. And yeah. Kira watches them through a telescope, and that was a scene that I found very beautiful. <laughs> Did it move you, Shane? It moved me. <laughs> I was only surprised because I didn't expect Ukai to be the bottom. <laughs> He was, he was also a very... He was uh, like a power bottom Yeah, he was definitely thing. a power bomb. He was yeah. like, he got on the horse, he was like, get on the horse. Yeah, get it. Get, you yeah. get on the back. Yeah, he, he was very much a power bottom in that situation. <laughs> it, was, it was also just, it was so like... This is the thing. It, 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 there's often a thing in, in movies of this type where there's like sort of unexplained homoerotic sexual tension that's never really acknowledged. And we were kind of like having a bit of like, you know, a bit of crack every year. You know, now they're just like, oh, they seem awfully like, oh, look at him. He's really idolizing this Ukai fellow. And they were like, oh, no, they're just going to deliver. Sick. Okay, cool. Yeah, it wasn't this like. This is the movie now. It wasn't, it was ex- as explicit as you could get without being explicit. Yeah. Like, yes, they are bareback naked. 
riding bareback What on could a horse. this horse ride possibly <laughs> symbolize? <laughs> what could it mean? I don't know. There's no way of knowing. Um. <laughs> um, and that scene I enjoyed a lot. And I think that's an interesting scene because I guess a lot of young people do... That's a good time for people to experiment sexually. And I guess like... Yeah, man. When, when you're in wartime Japan and you don't know what the world is anymore, the idea of like tradition and traditional Japanese life doesn't mean anything. It's all... It's all... Nothing means anything. So, of yeah. course, you just go with, like, your basic desires, almost. And Yeah. And, it, well, yeah, and that, that's kind of a parallel between both Ukai and Kira, is that their desires... Manif- they are li- both living for their desires, but their desires are manifested in very different ways. Yeah. And Kira and, uh, Kira and Toshiko almost kiss, too. And oh. Very so, so Ooh, close. So they close. Don't, they don't get there, but like, it's, it's like so fucking close. hair's breadth. Yeah. And that's right after he's just, like, Kira's just had sex with his cousin. Yeah. And, and it's apparently been awful for her, because she looked like she died. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing, like I said, I don't think... I think Chitose was, Yeah, know, she was, she was straight up She, yeah, she yeah. was thinking, I have to sleep with men like Ukai, and, because that's what is And done, she has but... that weird sequence where Ukai's, like, making out with her really aggressively, and, and there's like, just, nah. like, then there's just gunshot noises and the sounds of war. Yeah, I guess because that also men. She thinks men are pathetic, and men is what orphaned her. I guess as well. Yeah. She doesn't. She has no faith in men, and she doesn't believe in them. Mm. Anyway, so we've somehow managed to get to forty minutes, which is more than I thought we'd get. Yeah. Um, like there was a lot to talk about in this film. We didn't. We didn't break down every single scene. No. Because God, there's so a much. Lifetime. There's so much in this movie. It's a mad film. I don't think it is as good as Houseu. I think Haosu... It's certainly less accessible than Haosu. Yes, it's definitely Haosu deliberately, like you said, it's it's made in such a way that it's like, here's a cool thing. Here are these characters that you hear their name and you know roughly what they're about. Yeah, Off it we kind go. of reminds me, if, if we were going to go back to Wind Rises, this yeah. is definitely... Like, I really love Wind Rises. But, I, I also um, like it. Nautica, which is allegorious, is... Is definitely a much. Oh, I I prefer it as a film and find it much more engaging. Yes. And it's much more beautiful. Apart from the ending bit, which I'm just like. Oh, it's real sad. No, no, no. I'm just like with the. I mean, spoilers for Nausicaa, but again, that came out in like fucking 1982 or whatever. Mm. Like, if you've not seen, just okay. Stop listening for like 30 seconds. I guess I feel like she should have died. Mm. Like the fact that the the ohms bring her back to life, I've always felt was like, nah. I feel like this is you walking away from. You know, a lot of this movie is sort of about, like, dealing with the trauma and effects of, like, industrialized warfare and, su- and you know, super weapons and, like, you know, nuclear deterrence and stuff. And the horrendous consequences of man's insatiable desire to destroy. And the fact that they, you get the ultimate worst case scenario in Nausicaa of, like, Nausicaa herself fucking dying. And you're like, oh, fuck. And it's like, nah, it's fine, the magic aliens. Yeah. And I, I was just like, nah, it would have been fine if you just let her die. It would have been yeah, a be dark fun. film, but... Yeah, that's no, that's I, my main I, critique of that. But yeah, movie. I guess that that but that fits into my point of being like Hausu and Noshka are both films made for people as films to sell to people. They are products that they you are consume. Products. They definitely have themes and important themes. Yes, and have the kind of similar themes to both Wind Rises and Yes, uh, Hanagatami. Yeah, but Hanagatami and Wind Rises are deeply personal films so personal the films that they need to say before they die essentially yeah. like the this is what i need to say yeah this is i've had a long career at this point in both cases like 
you know, I mean, admittedly, this was the seventh time that Hayao Miyazaki had retired, quote-unquote, and he came back afterwards. And he's come back again. Yeah, of course. <laughs> he, 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 you know. I, they're just going to walk in and find him dead in a studio one day, and they'll be like, that. there you go. Now, now he's stopped. But both of them are in, like, the twilight of their career. They've done lots of interesting stuff. They've, you know, had a lot of room to sort of really develop their craft and, like, come up with a solid way that they do things. And... Like you say, this is the films that they need to make. Yeah. Like the ones that are like... It, it, unless unless even... The, it's not for anyone else apart from themselves, though. That's the interesting thing. Is that I feel like Hayao Miyazaki, or even I feel like um, Obayashi, if they'd made this film and it never got shown to anyone, they'd be like, eh. I don't think, I don't think that's true. I think, I think both of those films are both like... I, you, you well, they, because they want to push the message out. You as need hard. to understand what mm, I went through. That's fair, yeah. Um, because what I went through is bigger than you, essentially. And it's bigger than me. Bigger than me, yeah. Um, and so you need to understand. Mm. So I, although they are films that are for them, they are not commercially for everyone else, but they want everyone to. Yeah, they're deliberately less accessible because they are. They're saying, uh, we, because they're... with almost no compromises whatsoever. I mean, I, you know, you know about the, you, you, I know you've seen um, Kingdoms of Dreams and Madness. Yes. I like the compromise that. that they made with fucking Wind Rises with the last scene where, mm. you know, she's all like, no, you have to live. But in the original script, um, script, it was like, no, come and be dead with me. And they were like, they were like, Hayo, could you, could, mm, that's a bit nihilistic and sad. Could you maybe make it that he doesn't want to? Die? I, I think him, like, yeah, him living on is also just as tragic. And yeah, oh yeah. Like, always... like in this film, like, Toshihiko living. Yeah, which is, is awful. It's awful, like. Yeah, he punches the ground and has to go to a bleeding grave and, like, yeah. Jesus, everyone's dead. And the, and the dead. moon is no longer huge and big. The mother of the world is no longer this presence. In, so the moon well, he, she, it's interesting that... Um, it isn't this presence in the world. It's now quite small and realistic. And also she, she chose to be buried in the secret hill where you can't see the Mother Island. Because mm. you can't be close to the... There's a whole... Anyway, we need to stop because we could just keep rolling um, on this particular topic, I feel. And we've, we've said a lot. Shay, um, I'm going to ask, before we go to final thoughts, I'm just going to ask you, would you recommend this film? Um... Because I feel like it's a hard... I would feel very, sort of, like, careful about how and... This isn't something you just bust out. No, you don't just bust out. Like, how do I just bust out yeah, to people? That's easy, because it's I hilarious and just... great fun. Yeah, and it is about things. And it's got but... a sense of joy yeah, to it. it yeah, this is it, not it's that. It's quite anarchic. Um, this, I wouldn't just bust out. But I would recommend it. I would I would probably recommend watching Housey first, so you are not... Going in completely cold with the director's style. Yeah, because you might watch this, and because it's a much more serious film, and you watched it with the director's style being really out there what, in some cases. Yeah, you might be like, "Wait, what? No, I'm what not... the fuck is happening?" I mean, we're we're both at least somewhat familiar with the director's style, yeah. and we there were always we like, "What the fuck is happening?" But I I would recommend it, and I think it 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 doesn't ever feel boring the 3 hours don't feel long really nippy for a nearly 3 hour film yeah, and i think but i think you have to be prepared that it's a heavy film yes this is pulling no punches with its themes with its ideas with the way that it presents them and what it and the amount of engagement it requests of you the audience 
you can't really be as passive as you can with yeah, other films. you can be passive. It's quite a hard film to watch. And you're trying to figure out all the different relationships yeah. between everyone and what, what the different images are and what how they relate back to each other. This is not the sort of thing where you would have, like, you know, your phone in your hand while you're watching it. You yeah. would this, If you're going to watch this film, you are going to watch this film. Yeah, one of Nick's flatmates walked past the, the the screen for a second and Nick went ah I was just like I was like dude that's not come, come on now come on <laughs> just because literally a second means everything in this yeah film. it's oh um so so sh- yes I would recommend it yes I also would but admittedly again with the same caveats um so I guess Shay final thoughts uh, final uh, final thoughts I I guess I I don't know what it means to jump. I I don't know if I'll find what jumping is for me. Mm. I don't know. I feel like that. I and this my my to piggyback off your final thought. I guess for mine would be, I think that the concept of jumping is something that you're constantly redefining. Mm. I think one of the things that separates Obayashi's generation from the current generation is that in many ways we have a lot more choice, but also a lot more awareness and more information about what we want to jump for. Mm. When you were growing up in, like, you know, Japan during World War II, you were in a situation where you were told things and they came to you through newspapers. Yeah. Whereas now, with the modern era, we're much more aware of not only the plight of everybody else around us, there's a much more sense of global community than there ever was before. But equally, there's much more of a sort of like, hey, this system that we've always taken for granted. Yeah. Can I critique that? Yeah, like like for us, if Theresa May just suddenly called a war, I'd... Fuck would, off. We would have to be like, yeah, one, I, I would never really want to be in a war, but two, it'd be like, what the hell is your reasoning? Yeah. Being like... And now that's the same, like, with the Iraq war. People have constantly gone, well, what was that about? And it's yeah. Like, and you're like, oh, capitalism. And, yeah. Yeah. And oh, like, capitalism. Oh, capitalism. Oh, what a pattern. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> now, now we see much more. Yeah. It's, and I think, so for us, jumping is less something that is, it's harder for us to say exactly what we're jumping for. I feel like that in many ways, the current generation, I, I you know, dread to think of the generation below us, we kind of live a lot more in the jump Mm. because we can't not well you can choose to not be aware and not engage and not do things if you want to and be a bit of a shitty person hey podcast listener make sure (laughs) make sure you're doing things with your life baby i don't know oh this is just it's not really a call to action but just like lead in motherfucker come on the world's full of loads of injustices that you could correct in many many small ways and if we all do that things get better you know so i think that's like my final thought is that I think that what jumping means now, I think jumping is becoming the standard. That yeah. what we're aiming for is a society where we've all already jumped and now we're looking for what the next thing is. What do you do once you've landed? I think on that, somewhat, yeah, take that, Obayashi. I've got an answer to your three-hour really I, I good film. Uh... <laughs> Fight me on Twitter. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. Anyway. <laughs> it was a good movie. I liked it, but it gave me a lot of thoughts. Uh, Maybe cry. It, a little bit, yeah. A little bit. Gets to you. Anyway, bye!